You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. This is, uh, ah, I wish my dad was here to hear that. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's turn to our word right now to the book of Malachi. What book did I say, everybody? Malachi. There we go. My mic was hiding behind my tongue. Malachi. You don't preach a whole lot from Malachi, but we read it every week, quote it sometimes. Malachi 3 and uh, verse 6 through 12. And I want to uh, read this passage, and you're hearing from the New International Version of the Bible. Matthew, I'm sorry, Malachi, which comes before Matthew. Malachi chapter 3. If you need a word today, somebody shout yes. Just yes. say me, okay. All right, the Bible here, just so you'll know, Malachi is the last prophet, not just in terms of the way your Bible is organized, but, but literally, he is the last prophet before John the Baptist, which is to say there were 430 years where there was no word from the Lord. That's darkness right there. Some of us have been in, those, in, in that place where we were in darkness and we're not really hearing God. Doesn't mean God wasn't speaking, just mean we weren't hearing. And so for 430 years after this prophet, so he really is the last voice before the Messiah. And this is what he, he says in verse 6. The Bible says, I, the Lord, do not change. I thought somebody would have said amen on that one there. So you Oh, descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Hallelujah. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me. Somebody just repeat that. Say return to me. Then I understand that this is the heart of God. This is really what he's after. I'm not going to try to be overly theological and homiletical. I just want, get that. God is just like, come back to me. Just come back to me. Return to me. I mean, hear the passion in his voice. Return to me. And notice what he says. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? The Bible says, God then echoes what they have been saying. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. Verse 8, the Bible says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. Verse 8 says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But we got the nerve to ask, how are we robbing you? And the Bible says that the Lord replies and says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. The whole nation of you because you are robbing me. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. And that's what I really want to preach on today. Your Bible probably says prove me in this, challenge me in this. Notice what God is saying here. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Anybody ever live that? And pour out so much blessing (laughs) that you will not have room enough for it. He's not done. He says, I'll prevent pests. From devouring your crops and the vines and your fields will not cast their fruit before its time, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I want to just share with you today on the subject, the God test, the God test. Just to cut to the chase, the issue here that we want to deal with from God's word is simply this based on what we read. That tithe and offering is 
a test of God's existence. I want you to say that with me one time. Tithe and offering is a test of God's existence. Now, I want to say this right now because there are a lot of things you can talk about from the pulpit and people don't, you know, you know, they, they kind of, they like to hear a lot of things. But one thing that, you know, preachers are uncomfortable talking about is sex, money, and money. Not a lot of amens are to be expected when you begin to teach from God's word what his requirements are as it relates to tithe and offering. But I just want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want you to see this for a second. Whatever God asks you to do, I have come to realize that whatever God asks you to do, he does not ask you to do it with the idea in mind that you are somehow going to miss out on something. It is not in the nature of God to, to ask us to do stuff, and then when we do what he says, we somehow miss out on life. It's amazing. My kids have this thing where when I tell them it's time to go to bed, that uh, especially, uh, I'd say especially when they were like toddlers, I mean, it, it, it would be as if I told them that we are leaving them and that we will never return again. I say, it's time for bed, Camden and Taylor. And there are, there are guttural sounds that are unearthly that you will hear from these children. As if we have literally told them that they will die in the next five minutes. Because kids have this thing when parents tell them to go to bed, that they think they're going to miss out on something if they are asleep. Come on, say amen. They just need to live a little bit. Come on, say amen. How many know sometimes the best moments in life are when you are in rim cycle and you don't know whether you're coming or going? Amen. Listen now, nobody, nobody, listen, I wish somebody would make me take a nap right now. Amen. But see, the mindset is very similar to the commands of God. God asks us to do stuff. And let's be honest, we don't do it because we're afraid if we obey God, then somehow by obeying God, we're actually going to lose out. If, if we knew what God had in store for us by simply taking him at his word, if we could get a glimpse at the mind of God and what God has already seen in our future, what God has already determined he's going to do in our lives, then most of us would have no We'd have no qualms about obeying God, but because we can't see where God is taking us, we often assume that if we obey, especially in areas where we are afraid, that we're going to miss out on the blessing. So we take matters in our own hands. Can I get some witnesses in here today? Now, before I even go further, I need, I need a less judgmental crowd. Is there anybody in here that has ever been unfaithful to God in some area of your life? Raise your hand. So you feel your boy, right? I, the, the, the moments in my life where I have made the biggest mistakes have been where I've seen what God wanted and I was afraid to do it because I was afraid that somehow if I obeyed God, it would mess up my plan for my life. And some of us spiritualize that thing and we say stuff like, well, you know, I just, I just don't think it, it's timing. I don't think God wants me to do that right now. Or we spiritualize it and, and we say, I'm still praying on this thing. Understand something. If God has spoken on something, you don't need to pray about it. It is a sin against God to pray against, pray for something when God is already, what you're doing is delaying the inevitable obedience that you should have given him in the, what you're praying for? Obey. I need to commit this to prayer. No, what you need to do is obey. Amen. That sounds like one of my kids. You need to go upstairs and clean your room. Let me pray about that, daddy. No, you better go up there and clean that room before I whoop your behind. Come on in here, somebody. It's for your good. That you're going to clean that room. Can I get a witness out there? And so God dealing with us like children, because our perspective, oh, oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Our perspective is so low 
and it's so narrow. We're literally holding God back from things that he wants to do in our lives because our viewpoint is so narrow and so myopic that the only thing we can see is the nose on our face. But God says we walk by faith. And this is why tithe and offering is like the cursed sermon that you preach on. People don't want you telling them what to do with their money. Let me first tell you the first premise as to why God comes after your money. How many know he's coming for your money? Yeah. Now, let me help you out. That's just my way of saying it, but you don't really got no money. I don't care what you did. I don't care how many floors you scrubbed. Come on. You know how we tell them, I scrubbed all them floors. I did. I worked three, four jobs, and it's still not yours. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. One of the first scriptures that we taught our children was every good and perfect gift comes from God. The first mindset that you need to embrace towards moving a more generous and prosperous life is simply recognizing who owns you and who owns your stuff. Can we talk for a minute? You don't got nothing. I know that's incorrect English, but let's just be clear on that. You don't got a house, you don't got a car, you don't got no kids. Everything that we have has been entrusted to us by a loving creator God that thinks that one day, I know that they can't handle it now, but at some point, they'll get the message and they'll be able to handle the very blessing I gave them. And isn't it awesome of our God that even though God knows we'll fall in love with the gifts that he gives us, he still blesses us in spite of the fact that he knows we end up worshiping the very thing that he gave us in the first place he still blesses come on he causes his righteousness to fall and his blessings to fall on the just and the unjust you're not blessed because you're righteous you're blessed because God's merciful you're not blessed because you did it right talk to me now you're blessed because you got a God that looks past your faults and sees your needs I have what I have not because I've done anything good I've got what I've got because I got a God that loves me in spite of my crazy self. The first premise, turn to your, turn to your Bibles, Revelation 14, 6. The first premise of giving is recognizing who you're giving to. All right? Revelation 14, 6. If you're there, would you say amen? If you're on your way, say I'm on my way. Mm, if you don't got no Bible or a smartphone or a tablet, say I ought to be ashamed of myself. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, nowadays, you got to have something nowadays. If you don't got no Bible, pull your phone out, amen? Revelation 14, 6, and the reason why we're using this passage of Scripture, this marks, and I don't have time to really get into the exegetical study of this passage now, but the bottom line is you need to know that Revelation 14 represents the last day message of warning that God gives to the world, and he says some very important things about the mindset of God's people and being ready for his soon return. Notice what he says in Revelation 14 and verse 6. He says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Here it goes in verse 7. Are you ready now? Here goes the message. Are you ready, everybody? Here goes the message. This is the first thing we need to get. There are three messages, but this is number one. You got to get this. Are you, are you ready, everybody? He said in a loud voice, which is to say this is important. Any, any, any parents in here know what I'm talking about? If, 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 you, if you done raise your voice, hopefully it means something. Amen. With a loud voice, the word of God says he declared, fear God, right? And give glory to him because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Notice what God is saying. God is saying, Aaron, he's simply saying there is an issue in these last days with people recognizing who deserves worship. Can we talk for a second? There is an issue in these last days with people getting confused who is to be worshipped. Remember now, we are in a society that worships celebrities. We worship celebrities on television. We worship celebrities in magazines. And we even try to celebritize preachers. Ministry. Oh, we can't get no word if Pastor so-and-so is not there. 
That's because you have an idolatrous mindset that simply worships the person instead of the God. And God realizes in these materialistic last days, we're going to have some real issues with people forgetting who deserves the worship. And I want to ask you today, who deserves the glory? Who deserves the honor? Who deserves the praise? Who deserves your, 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 your passion and your life and your all? It's God. God knows that in these last days, we're going to have a problem with worship. And so he makes it clear. He says, not only do I want you to understand that God gets the glory, <laughs> that he gets all the glory, that you haven't, you haven't done nothing to pull yourself where you It's God that gets the glory. Can we talk today? Talk back to your boy. Admit it. Admit it. It's God that gets the glory. I don't think you feel me yet. Come on. Give him some glory. Is it not God? Ooh, and listen, oh, come on now. I can't even go past some other, other part of the sermon. If we can't agree on this, who gets the glory in your life? That's a signal for you to tell me. Who gets the honor in your life? Who has brought you out of the stuff you've been in? Who sticks with you day by day? Who loves you with a love that's everlasting? God says there's going to be a problem in the last days with people forgetting where their blessings come from. And so notice what he says. It's not just giving glory to God, but what kind of God? He is creator. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. As I said, the thing that separates me from my son Camden in the house, in the order of things, he came from me. Oh, can I get a witness in here? Where are my parents at? Can we get a Bill Cosby shout for a minute? I brought you in this world. Huh? You ain't playing that, are you? Where's Dre at? No not matter how old he is. Raise your hand. This is that man's son. Raise your hand. It doesn't, look, that boy is handsome. He's a grown man. Got his own wife. But how many know he came from you? Listen, when you walk in the room, come on, somebody. Come on, listen. And this, by the way, for all you grown, grown folks that still, anytime your parents tell you to do something, you ne- listen, you never grow out of obeying your parents. <laughs> come on, say amen. But see, the thing that separates Roscoe from his son is that the thing that distinguishes their relationship, that makes it distinct is the fact that Andre came from him. So he is to honor him differently than he honors me because he came from him. He came from his mama. He, it was sperm and it was egg that met together, not by chance or serendipitously, but it happened because an almighty God says, I'm going to work through Roscoe. I'm going to work through his wife in order to produce this child. But their relationship is different because that's his son. Yeah. Now, get this, y'all. Our honor and worship to God is not based on what he has done for us. Y'all better stop praising him for what he's done. Because one day you ain't going to have a reason to praise him. You know why? Because something's going to happen in your life that you think is really from the devil, but it actually was from God, and it caused you to suffer a little bit, and then your mouth gets closed because you're going through it. But one of the things I've discovered is the praises will never cease to come out of your mouth when you recognize that I don't praise him for what he's done. I praise him for who he is. He is creator. We're different. We're not the same. I'm not on his level. I came from him. He thought me before I even existed, before I was even born. He had called me, had a purpose, ordered my steps. He is God. He is creator. He is the originator. He is everything. He's God. He's not like us. When he walks in the room, fall on your face. Hallelujah. When he shows up in your life, reverence him. When he blesses you, bless him. When he looks after you, honor him. And even if he doesn't do another thing for you, you simply praise him because he thought about you before you could think about yourself. Understand. He is creator. Do you hear what I am saying? Does that baffle anybody that God knew if he is creator, that means he was never created. 
It means he's always been. I like how I always say he's always going where he's coming from to get to where he is, find out he's already there. He's just, he's God. He created, there was never, he, know, he don't know what time is. Time, is. time is something that simply confines those that he's created, but God lives outside of time. And look at this, somewhere way back, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, and thousands, and thousands of eons, God said, hmm, I'm going to create somebody. In his mind, we have to agree that he already knew that when he created us, that we were going to respond to his love with hatred. Come on, don't, get it, don't let him off the hook. When God created you, Sam, he created you with the knowledge that you would need a redeemer, that you would need his only begotten son. See, that's, that's love right there. That's that kind of, listen, I'm, now come on now, parents. If you knew that, if you, if the doctor called you in and says, oh yeah, what is it, about what, five months now? It's getting sooner and sooner with technology. You find out what kind of sex the child is, right? You know you're pregnant, you find out, oh, it's going to be a boy. Oh, praise God, praise God. Well, as months go by, then God tells you, by the way, this son's going to kill you. Your son is going to kill you. Listen, man, y'all would, y'all, would, y'all would find scripture to approve abortion at that point. If you knew in advance that your child would kill you, you would not have children. God's, God knew, oh my, God knew who we were before we got here and he did not abort the mission. He said, bring them anyway. Bring them in all of their mess. Bring them with all of their junk. Bring them with all the mistakes they've made. Bring them forth knowing that they will kill my only begotten son. Bring them knowing that my heart will be ripped out because I have to give my only son on behalf of their self. They bring them anyway, knowing that the majority of them will not even accept my love or my salvation. But because I'm love, I'm willing to love even if there's just a few folk that respond. So God has to, because we are prone to forget him. This is a word for spiritual folk. You're going to have to be hungry to get this one. That's right. Is it not easy to forget God? And as big as he is, it's amazing that we still forget him. He's everywhere. Of the theologians say that he's omnipresent (laughs) now Jesus has has sacrificed his omnipresence just so he could be like us but that doesn't negate the fact that the Holy Spirit and God the Father have the ability to be everywhere everywhere oh no y'all not feeling me now see y'all thinking church I'm talking about the club huh I'm talking about the whorehouse. I'm talking about the crack house. Oh, y'all don't want to shout back to me now. The only reason why you made it out of there is because the the presence of God is everywhere. So God has to do essentially four things. There may be more if they are. Email me. Please, I'll add them to the next sermon. But I've seen four practical, and it's important I say pragmatic and practical because many of us live our spiritual lives up here, up in the, oh, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. You, all, you, you live all in this ethereal stuff that ain't really real. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't really hit you where it hurts everyday life. And that's why we're going into this new series, Pastor the Coaxman and I. One of the things we're finding out is that Christians are not struggling to serve God at church. We're struggling to serve God on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The gray areas of life is where we're struggling to serve God. That's where we're struggling. We're struggling at our jobs. We're struggling in our homes. That's where we're struggling. We're struggling where God says one thing, but we feel like doing another thing. Lord, have mercy. I know what your will is, God, but I feel this. Isn't that the new line now? I'm not feeling this. Praise God. Because you can't trust your feelings. As crazy as you are, 
You ain't deep. You crazy. If it's not for God in your life, you a fool. Tell the truth, somebody. How many know when you was out there in sin? Talk to me now. You was a fool out there. You look back at yourself now and you shake your head and you say to yourself, Lord, have mercy. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I was a nut. So God has to give us four things. Number one, nature. Nature. Every time you see nature, it should remind you that God is creator, Aaron. Number two, marriage and family. Now this is where the enemy is attacking. That's why we have so many godless children. And then we want to run around to oh, these kids so bad. You know why are they bad? Because your house is godless. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Godless. And the fastest growing denomination in the world is atheism, if you want to call it that. When you grow up in a home, and, and, and <laughs> they say the first concept of a child of God is based on their relationship with their father. Now you just consider all the issues that we as a people are having with black men. 80% of our prisons are full of us. 70% of our homes are absent of us. So come on, let's not be so hard on these kids because they got their pants down. Let's not be so hard on them because they cuss and swear all the time. Come on now. Look, they, they grew up in environments where there was no God. That's what you ought to expect. So instead of getting mad, have some compassion. But God gives us family to keep before. And that's why family worship is so important. That we have to keep the knowledge of God present in the minds of our children, our family. The third thing is Sabbath. Sabbath is a tithe of time. One day out of the seven, seventh, almost a tenth, right? You're supposed to just pause and remember God. That's why going to church one day a week is not enough. God says, he didn't say remember the Sabbath to go to church. He said remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. In other words, listen, am I not good enough to have a whole day where it's just me and you? Can we not have any distractions this day? Come on, come on, married folk. Look, man, if, listen, on my anniversary, if I just tell my wife, let's just spend about five or six minutes together and then go about our way, I'm in trouble, right? Because of the significance of my relationship with her. When a relationship is important with you, you make time, and not just time, you make special time to celebrate the relationship. The purpose of the Sabbath is to celebrate the creative power and relationship of God in your life. What it simply does is just remind you that if he's creator, then he has no limit. If he's creator, there's nothing that he cannot do. See, I'm wrapped up on this creator thing now. See, I love serving the creator God because I like Lord and Savior, but creator's a little stronger because if he's creator, then he can speak those things that are not as though they were. If he's creator, he can step out on darkness and nothingness and declare light and light obeys. Light never existed, but because he said light, light comes into being. Because he's spoken, he can simply say that the waters be divided from the waters above the firmament, the waters below the firmament. Even if water didn't exist, water has to come into existence because the creative power of God has spoken and man himself, he gets down and makes dirt, makes man out of dirt, makes organs out of dirt, makes teeth out of dirt, makes aorta out of dirt, makes spine out of dirt, makes, come on y'all, because of the creative power of God, you just don't serve a Lord, you just don't serve a savior, you serve the creator of the universe. That means he owns you. He owns you. He owns you. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, he owns you. The fourth reminder, and then we're getting ready to close, is tithes and offerings. Now, why would you pick these four, Pastor? Because all of them require us to do something so that we don't forget. The first one simply says when you wake up and you look outside, oh yeah, breathe in, breathe out, huh? Oh, God created this planet. The second one, marriage and family, this is why we got to kill all this drama in our houses because it's killing out the, the knowledge of God. Your relationship with your family should be so strong that all you say is, whoo, there gotta be a God. Amen. 
every time, come on, talk to me, sisters. Now, I know you push them, them uh, crumb snatches out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You pushed them out. You carried them. That's all you did. Amen. That's all you did. When you think about that thing, how a child is born, I'm amazed that people come to me and they say stuff like, oh, the husband, the daddy and the mama wasn't married. That child is illegitimate. Or the child, the child's daddy raped this. My child's illegitimate. Let me tell you something right now. Just whenever, are you now telling me that Satan produces life? I'm just asking. That's why we bless babies in this church, no matter where they came from. Because we're not, come on now, y'all don't want to pray with me. Listen, listen, it doesn't matter what the situation was. How do you think the baby came to life? The devil? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, has he been given power to create now? Please, I didn't know. Well, if that's the case, then worship him. The thing that separates God from anybody else, this is the only reason why we worship God, because he's creator. If Satan becomes creator, you've got to worship him too. But the thing that distinguishes God from anything else is that he can make things happen that are not. Now, tithes and offerings. See, God is a smart God. He says, see, I have a feeling that they'll forget me with their money. They'll even begin to think that their job pays them. They'll begin to think that uh, Social Security, Uncle Sam is taking care of me. See, I don't want there to be any confusion. They'll think that they've worked hard and they earned a living for themselves. And now these these uppity folk, they'll think that because they've got a master's and a doctorate, huh? And And they passed their exams and they stood summa cum laude, magna cum laude, yes, laude, whatever it is. They just, they just, they, they, oh. And, and the danger now is more than ever. I mean, now, oh, I am Mr. So-and-so, and I've got a title behind my name. And, 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 and God says, uh-uh, so I've got to implement a system to, to remind them, because where their treasure is, that's where their heart is. See, God knows that. God knows whatever we value, we spend money on it. Amen. We invest in. Yes. Whatever you value, you invest in. Y'all say that with me. Whatever I value, I spend money on it. Can I get a witness in here? Can we be honest for a minute? Come on now. Oh, look, can I testify? It ain't really a testimony. It's more confession right now. Uh, you know, one day, I, well, no, okay, I'll tell you right now. He's still working on me. Can I get a witness in here? Uh, he's still working on me. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my, my bank statements and I'm like, whoa. Oh. Oh, no. Look at what, what, what is wrong here. But my, my money is telling the story about who I really worship. <sighs> I, homework assignment. I want you to print out your bank statement. This will be one of the most awesome spiritual moments of your life. Print out your bank statement. See what you spend money on. And that will reveal who your God is. Because where your treasure is. So God says I got to put a system in place. Malachi 3. And we're close. Malachi 3, just for a little context, God's people had like gone back and forth with God, worshiping the stuff God gave them. Oh man, we need to have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Let's pray for this situation. Father in heaven right now, we have someone that is ill and because you are creator, we're asking that you will minister to this soul right now in Jesus name 
Father, I pray right now that you will be with those that are ministering to this person. I pray that your hand of healing, we know that you are able. We know that you are powerful. And Father, we know that even in this place where the presence of God is everywhere, that a solution for the problem is even, even being made available right now. Oh God, we call on your name right now in Jesus' name. Right now, Father. Take over, right, Father. Touch, Father. Heal, Father. Deliver, Father. Father, your word has already promised that if we call upon you, you will answer. Father, although we're having church, God, it is in order right now that we pause and we pray. We can take time out of a message to lift up this dear soul right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Thank you for hearing and answering. Amen and amen. You're ready to play. We are scared. That's what those young men said. We are scared. We're scared. We're scared, especially with regard to our money. Let me tell you what the Lord says. I want you to look at this. This is going to blow your mind. This is not said anywhere in the Bible, but you need a, you need a bombshell in your mind right now. The word of the Lord says in verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, sometimes you read something and you just got to let that thing. See, if you've ever had fake friends, fair weather family members, frenemies, No, see, when God comes at us, Julius, he does not come at us saying, you should do this. You know, how come you ain't serving me? You know good. We do that to each other, though. The first thing God says before he asks us to do something, he said, I don't change. And then he says, he says, therefore, this is why you're not dead. It's because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's why you're not destroyed. So notice the mind of God here. He is not coming. That's what we, we love the browbeat people. Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. You no good. I mean, and you ain't no good. Come on. Right. Amen. But the God who is good, he starts off saying, look, mm-hmm. trust your boy. I don't change. Amen. That's the only reason why you ain't dead. That's right. <laughs> Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. He says, I'm the Lord your God. He says, he says, in verse 7, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from me. Yep. This is a love story, y'all. He's saying, man, I did not leave. Listen to me, y'all. Is your heart right with God? That's why I'm coming. Is your heart right with God? Are you, let's forget all the church stuff right now. If you stand before God right now, is your heart right with God? He said, I didn't leave you. You left me. And then I love the, this is a covenant lawsuit for those of you who love this. Basically, we are, in this text, the way it is written in Malachi is that we are taking God to court. So that's why they say, well, wherein have we robbed you? Who are you to say we've robbed you? That's right. They're talking to God. Uh-huh. And the Lord simply responds with, with a gentle tone. You, you've done it in tithes and offerings. Mm-hmm. He said, that's why you're under a curse. That's why your stuff is so jacked up. Because you don't obey. You thought that there was an alternate way. There was a scenic route to get towards holiness. And there's not. 
The only route there is is I speak, you listen. I speak, you listen. I speak, you listen. I speak, you listen. And even though you cannot see the way clear, you simply trust that he knows where he's going. The reason why? Because he's already there. That's right. That's right. Now let us, let's let our holy minds be blown right now. I'm tripping on this God. I'm tripping on him. I'm so tripping on him right now because God does stuff we don't even do. I know. That's right. So this is what he does. He says, look, I, I can't figure out why you won't trust me. I, I, I don't understand it. So I'm about to do something that I have told you never to make me do. All throughout the scripture, Sister Radney, the Bible says we should not test the Lord. Does it not? It says we are not to test the Lord. When Satan told God to jump off a mountain, you know what he told Jesus to jump off a mountain? What did Jesus tell me? He said, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. That's right. That's right. He said, don't do that. So his M.O. Oh, y'all better hear your boy. His M.O. has always been, do not test me. I'm above you. You don't test me. I don't need to prove myself to you. I am who I am. I'm God. Like my, 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 my theologian uh, professor at Andrews, he says, if, if, if somebody tells you to prove God, if God were to have to prove himself, it would simply take away from his being God. Amen. A police officer walks up in here and he's, you know, got his uniform on and his gun. And you're like, you ain't no police officer. You just got that outfit on. You ain't no police officer. Let me see you shoot your gun. Because of his role and his authority as a police officer, he would be a fool to take out his gun and be playing games with you and shooting a gun just because you asked him to prove that he was a police officer. Barack Obama shows up here. You ain't the president. You just Obama's lookalike. Prove to me. Let me see your birth certificate. <laughs> and that's why I always agree. Listen, Obama, don't show your birth certificate. That is, you are condescending yourself as a commander in chief of this nation to give somebody a birth certificate. He alive, ain't he? He got something. But see, that's what people want you to do when they want you to disregard who your identity is. But notice what God does. God did what Obama didn't even do. God says, all right, you won't trust me with your money. I'm tired of preaching to you. I'm tired of begging you. I'm tired of blessing you. I'm tired. I'm tired. So I got something for you. He says, prove me. Test me. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out. All right, you done push me there now. That's what he's saying. He says, you done push me to the point now where you're going to make me, dare you, to try me. And notice what he says. He says, look, if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, then basically you can assume that I don't exist. Amen. That's right. That is right. You want to prove that there is a God? Start returning tithe and offering. Well, and I didn't make this up. God said this. He didn't say this about anything. Else. He didn't say it's about church attendance. He didn't say, if you go to church, I'm going to prove that I'm God. He didn't say that. The only thing that he chose to declare a test on of his divinity was he said, prove me in this. He said, oh, no, no, I take that back. He said, prove me now. He didn't say, prove me when you get good and ready. He didn't say, prove me when you feel like it. He didn't say, prove me somewhere down the road when you're more comfortable, when you can afford it. He, no, notice God putting himself out there. Oh my. God is saying, God, oh, he's confident in who he is. He knows he can deliver. He says, I dare you to return tithe and offering. And I guarantee you, I put my life on it. If I will not... Open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Can I get a witness in here that you will not have room to receive it? Notice what he said. He did not say, test me. And if I do a little something for you. You know I'm God. If your bills get paid, you know I'm God. See, this is why God's people are so in lack. This is why our health is bad. This is why we broke. Because some of us pay tithe, but we don't prove God. 
How many of you have ever had an experience in your life where you said, God, your word says, if you contend, you will contend with those that contend with you and you will save your, has anybody ever thrown God's word back in his face? See, that's the kind of people God's looking for. He's looking for these bold folk who ain't scared to prove him. Anybody ever gotten God's face and said, God, my money is funny. My change is strange. I don't got no means in my jeans. I'm toe up from the flow up. But your word says, prove me. Put me on front street. And if I don't, not just bless you a little bit, but if I don't open up the windows and pour out a blessing so that you don't have room. Yeah, I see it. I mean, you just caught in the blessings of God. You can't even move, you're so blessed. You got blessings everywhere. They're coming from every direction. And that's one of the things I've learned about God. God does not need your job to bless you. God does not need money to bless you. Oh, when you know the right people, and I'm not talking about people down here, but when you know God, God will send blessings. He'll put a coin in a fish's mouth. Come on in here, somebody. God will send, but he will send blessings where you never thought a blessing will come from because he says, I'm not confined by your money. I'm not confined by your job. I am the Lord. I am that I am. I am provider. I am redeemer. I am restorer. I am the bank. I am the mortgage. I am your house note. You ain't never paid a bill. I have paid all your bills. I have even paid your debt. Prove me. Look, I'm going to tell you right now. You heard it here. God is dead. He is dead. God is dead in many of your lives. Because you've never proved him. That's right. You just, you just, you know, you just, you just pay up. I dare you. As I shouldn't say I dare you. God dares you. When you sit down, what is it? What's today's day? Oh, yeah, short month. Can I get a witness? All the, all the check-to-check folk know what I'm talking about in here. You'll be looking forward. Uh, listen, after, the December, after December Christmas kills you, that January is always a long month, ain't it? All uh, right, come on, where my poor folk at? Y'all know. Talk to me, poor folk. Huh? And you can't wait till February comes. Because you get paid twice in this month. Hey, God. This is what I'm saying. If God cannot trust you with the way you handle your fine, and this is no light thing. You just don't, I just gonna, I'm just going to put something in the plate because I feel like it today. He says tithe a tenth, 10% of your, and so people have asked, well, should it be gross or should it be net? <laughs> Play the safe side. There's nothing in scripture that says one way or the other. But listen, if, you, listen, if you're going to do it on the net, or is it the gross? Which one is the most? Gross. Okay. If you listen, if you do it on, if you you gonna do it on the night, guess what? When you get that tax return in a few weeks, you better tithe on that too. But guess what? You know what your boy does? But I tithe on anything I get. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know why? Because I want the I want to prove him. See, well, this is what we, with so many of us, we just try, I'm just trying to pinch pennies, Pastor. I'm just trying to make it work. That's your problem. You trying to make it work? You think too much in the natural. This is supernatural. He says, prove me now here in this, says the Lord of hosts. Think about it. I'm not, I pass, I've been thinking about tithing. Well, that means you're thinking about trying to figure out if God, is, if God exists. Oh, I can't afford it. Okay, look. All y'all that want windows of heaven. This is not for everybody. Some people do not want the windows of heaven. They just want to be able to get by. That's right. Some of us believe that because we're black, we're supposed to be poor. Uh-uh. 
I rebuke the spirit of poverty yes, Lord. and brokenness. Yes. Listen, this, this is not prosperity preaching. This is straight up word. Amen. He said that if you prove me, now, now just tell me, is this prosperity? He will open up the windows yes. of heaven, yes. <laughs> not of, not of, uh, of Huntington, <laughs> Cleveland Clinic. Are you crazy? Look. Look, my conference comes from that, what, the conference office. That's where, I get, that's where my check comes from. But you, you ask my wife. We, we'll tell you. We'll testify. Look, there have been times there's been more bill than check, right? Amen. Huh? Yeah. There's been some times there was no check at all. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Where you were unemployed. Let me, let me, are you still here? Amen. And half of y'all, mostly 90% of you in here look like a million dollars. TJ Maxx and Marshalls done hooked you up. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. You're walking up in here looking better than you're worth. Amen? Amen. That's because God takes care of it. Let's be honest. None of us ain't really ever. Some of us may have been way back in the day, but in the past 50 years, ain't none of us really gone hungry. Amen. Not because you had to. Come to my house. You can eat. We got beans and rice at least. Come on, say amen. amen. So here it is. And I'm going to be bold with this one right here. Be bold with this one. Some of us are not tithing. And we're not giving offering mm-hmm. because we feel like it will hurt us. Mm-hmm. Amen. What I have just shown you from scripture is that you are hurting yourself by trying to control your financial destiny. The first step to getting out of debt, the first step to building wealth, the first step, step to leaving an awesome financial legacy is to give. And I'm sorry, you won't read this in Forbes magazine. I'm sorry, you won't see this on the, on, uh, on, 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 uh, uh, what's, the, what's the name of that? CNN. Uh, CNN. You, you're not going to see this there. But I will tell you where you'll find it. And you know what he's saying? He says, Daniel, I dare you. Yes. Look, this is heavy. God says, I dare you to prove me. Yes. And if I'm not God, Uh-oh. you go worship somebody else. Amen. I'm going to come through. Father God, right now. We're blessed. 